0: previously on Popping
1: Collars. Right. It actually takes a, a lot of intelligence, in my opinion, to uh, to communicate such heartfelt feelings with a simple eloquence. You know, I, I could sit here and be, you know, my systematic theology professor, who was a sweetheart, but I, I could not understand him most of the time. But when Dolly's singing Jolene or, you know, Barbara Mandrell is singing, uh, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Yeah. Oh that is so good. She is so right. I'd take that song over Carl (laughs) Bart. Barbara Mandrell, that's what we should be teaching in seminary. Uh, Carl Bart.
0: Welcome to Popping Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. My name is Greg Knight. I am the Director of Children and Youth Ministries at the Church of Bethesda-by-the-Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. We have a full slate of co-hosts this time, starting with Betsy Gonzalez. Betsy, where are you and what are you doing?
2: Christmas lights, stuff is out, wreaths are up, things are happening. It's all very, very exciting, and that's kind of where we are right now. Mm -hmm. So... I am at the Episcopal High School here in Alexandria, Virginia, where I serve as head chaplain, and we're just holding it together with uh, sugar and um, strings of lights.
0: We also have Liz Easton. Liz, where are you, and what do you do?
2: Hey, Greg. I am the canon
3: to the ordinary for the Diocese of Nebraska, and I'm in chilly Omaha, Mm -hmm. where um, it's really cold. Every year, it hits me like a ton of bricks. How did this happen? How do people live here? What did the pioneers do? I don't understand. And this thing has started happening where on very cold days, the front door of my car will not open. So I have to climb in through the back seat. And of course, I haven't had time to take it to the shop (laughs) because I've been too busy.
0: So it's a farce. Every morning, it's a farce. Uh, And finally, we have Ricardo
1: Avila. Ricardo, where are you? And what are you up to? Greg, I am the rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California, Pearl of the West. And uh, <laughs> but it is. I actually, you know, I, I have Mondays off as a priest and it just dawned on me. I have a friend visiting from Long Beach and she's in Carmel. And I thought, you know, it's only an hour away from Los Gatos. And so Sunday afternoon I drove down here and Carmel is a whole other world. It's got like these boutique little shops and the ocean's right there. And I feel like I'm on vacation, even though literally in – 12 hours, I will probably be back in my office.
0: This is episode 99 of Bob and Collars, and our topic today is pop culture creeds. That's right. We have finally made it to a show about the greatest rock Christian alt-rock <laughs> band of all... T- no, I'm just...
2: No! Greg, no, Greg, my, not- my My friend Yvonne, he picks this for karaoke, <laughs> and I don't understand... It's, I think maybe it's his vocal register. I'm not quite sure. It's a lot of, I mean, like. Oh
0: <laughs> What's wow. your favorite Creed song, Ricard? No, no, okay. <laughs> what, what, what's a Creed song? <laughs> With Arms Wide Open. With
2: Arms Wide Open. I, arms open. Arms I mean, are, that's open. gotta be.
0: <laughs> I'm too old. Uh, our topic today is pop culture creeds. Here's the thing. We've never done a year-end recap show for this podcast before. So we were thinking, if we ever did one, what would it look like? We're not really top 10 people. We're not really thumbs up, thumbs down people, hits and misses, that kind of thing. Our show, while clearly being the guilty pleasure of the Episcopal podcasting world, has always strived to go deeper, into the silly things that we all like. So with that as our guide, we're looking back over the year that was, or years as the case may be, and pulling from recent or not so recent pop culture, a creed, a succinct statement of belief from a movie or a TV show or a song or a novel, etc., that sums up our individual spiritual journeys to this point and serves as our possible guiding wisdom as we move forward into 2019. With that in mind, who would like to kick us off? I'm going to (laughs) say Betsy.
2: So I came to my creed. Now, this is from a song. It is not from a song from this year. It is Mm. not something that popped up this year, but it has been a lyric that kind of hooked me, and then I've kind of come back to as... I've found the need to have some resilience, perspective and perseverance this year. You know, we live in a time, friends, we live in a time and it it can be it can be really tough if you kind of plug in emotionally all the time into the, you know, turmoil that we've kind of got going on in our world and in our wider country and those sorts of things. So, It is actually uh, from a song that was released in 2011 and it is by one of my favorite bands, Coldplay. And the song is every teardrop is a waterfall. When I was recently watching uh, the Coldplay documentary that's been released on Amazon, on Amazon prime called head full of dreams, which if you're a Coldplay nerd, it's, it's, it's really fun to look at old footage and look at the band and, you know, you'll care that Chris Martin's hair is doing this that or the other like you'll be into <laughs> it. But this album was actually recorded at a time that was really difficult for Chris, who's the main one of the main lyricists in the band, and a lot of turmoil going on in his own life and his his marriage to Gwen Paltrow is falling apart. Like these things are happening, and the line that really pulled me out and actually has pulled me into this year is uh is the way that the song kind of feels like it's in this in-between. It reminds me of when my mom talks about growing up in the 1950s. And in the 50s, she said, you know, we kind of thought in our, you know, white privilege haze that, you know, it can't get better than this, y'all. Like, this is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. You know, tons of people yeah. having kids, nations doing great, all this kind of stuff. And she said there was a certain point in the trajectory of her life where she realized that that was not going to be the narrative of her life and what i like about this song is it kind of talks about that the lyric that really comes back to me i don't want to see another generation drop i'd rather be a comma than a full stop,
3: full
1: stop.
2: And it's this idea of being a comma and this idea of being a part of a continuance. And then I'm a part of this kind of trajectory of history. There's another line that says, um, maybe I'm in the black, maybe I'm on my knees, maybe I'm in the gap between the two trapeze. So that moment when you're switching from one trapeze to another, and maybe that's this, my kind of in my own generational way, grappling with kind of where, am I? I thought we dealt with a lot of the awful stuff we're having to deal with this year in terms of racism and sexism and white nationalism and you know all these, all these things. Maybe we are not as far along the arc of history bending towards justice that I thought we were. Hmm. And that where am I in that conversation? How am I engaging in that conversation? For me this year, that has been helpful for me to really look at the trajectory so that I don't kind of fall into a you know a depression about kind of where we are that this is this work is longer than i
1: thought it was mm-hmm. and then i'm just one piece yeah don't put a period where god has put a comma
2: I, and I mentioned to a friend i'm like i kind of want some comma earrings to kind of mark this moment at 44 and feeling this year and and they're like you know what etsy will be your best friend on that you can go find yourself <laughs> they were exactly right you can go to Etsy and find anything. So yeah,
1: yeah. you can get a comma that's uh, looks like a chameleon. Oh, could I? Ooh, comma that's chameleon. A level. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh no! Yeah, yes. Here we go. Okay, Ricardo, Ricardo you All are right. up next. What is your pop culture creed for us? Well, I'll be honest with you, Greg. I am as much as I love being an Episcopal priest, and I feel like a pretty good Christian. Creeds don't do it for me. I, I find it hard to ascribe to a creed. And I will say with all my heart uh, when I can, and as much as possible, the Nicene Creed when I'm not distracted by anyone in the pews and all that. But um, And kind of the same with pop culture creeds. I could not think of anything. And then so I, I did the kind of thing of like Googling pop culture creeds. And oh. uh, nothing really good came up. <laughs> <laughs> but then I started remembering some things I loved. And um, so I've come up with two One is from the 19th century and one is from the 20th. (laughs) Um,
2: Oh, not surprising.
1: I'll allow it, but just
0: this time, (laughs) Ricardo. (laughs) All
1: right, so it's not like I've walked around with this as a creed in my life, but I remember really liking it. Uh, It's from uh, the beginning of the movie Annie Hall, the Woody Allen, Diane Keaton movie. And I I know he's persona non grata, but... I like this story. So I'm going to kind of say it verbatim. Uh, He says, uh, there's There's an an old joke, joke.
0: Um, two elderly women are at a Catskill mountain resort and one of them says, boy, the food at this place is really terrible. The other one says, yeah, I know, and such small portions. Well that's essentially how I feel about life, full of
1: loneliness and misery and suffering and unhappiness and it's all over much too quickly. Not that my life is miserable or sorrowful and all of that, but, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And when you're a priest, you sometimes hear the worst and the best of it. And I will have weeks where I go from, you know, someone in tears because they, they haven't been able to find a job for two years and they are, you know, just this side of homelessness to someone who is, you know, we're doing marriage prep and they're so excited and can't wait for the wedding and they have all these plans and dreams and you kind of have to roll with all of that. And, you know, they told us that in seminary and it's true, but it's interesting. I I think I've actually gotten like an emotional, I don't want to say thick skin, but I can take stuff in that's intense and just kind of nod and be like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yes. And the the trick is to remind everyone in every instance that, you know, and and we're alive and we're going to keep trying and God is not going to abandon you. God is about accompaniment. So um, I like the Woody Allen quote, and, uh, and I think it's funny. It, and, I, and I've totally been that way, too. Like, oh, complaining about something, complaining about something. I hate this. And why can't we have more of it?
2: <laughs> <You> know, they're <laughs> so
1: stingy. You know? I think it says something uh, profound for as much as life can be really hard and devastating. And you hear it in our, in, you know, with being a priest. There's even life in all of that, that people can feel that sorrow or people can feel that hope and joy. It's just part of the mix. And it'll be sad to die, I think, mm-hmm. for me and for many folks, even when you suffer. So that's my Annie Hall, Woody Allen creed, if you will. What was your other one?
2: I know. Now I want to compare and contrast. Yeah, what is, I want to hear your <laughs> other go one. we into the darkness of the 1800s. Or where, where are we going?
1: Well, we're going into the 19th century, yes. Okay, so, yes. Um, All right, let's go. So this is a quote I actually used to put on my signature line sometimes when I would send an email. And then I thought, well, oh, that's a little intense. So maybe I shouldn't do that. And it is, of course, from Theodore Dostoevsky. Yes. And uh, yeah, yes, the big D. Um, <laughs> the big D. And you know what? As I, was, as I was doing this, you know, once I started thinking about pop culture creeds, I couldn't stop. And so I think about how I'm always bringing up Dostoevsky or Dickens on this podcast. And then I thought of that line from Mean Girls where someone says to one of them, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> it's like, stop trying to make Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky happen. Dostoevsky
2: going to happen. I am just waiting for the BBC to pick something up. Did Dostoevsky intersect with any British royalty? I think I think there's something that can happen. Where's oh, yeah. the cool Netflix miniseries on crime? Exactly. And crime? Like, on. I
1: think there should be a comic Sorry. book where Dostoevsky fights like demonic criminals. That would be cool. <laughs> okay, so here's my okay. quote. Here's my yeah. pop culture creed. Uh, Dostoevsky. This is not in a novel. It's something that he wrote, and it was uh, it was quoted by someone else. Who was that? Kierkegaard, I think another lively chap. Obviously,
2: Um, (laughs) coming out on Amazon Prime. Yes. That's right.
1: So Dostoevsky once said, it is not as a child that I believe and confess Jesus Christ. My Hosanna is born of a furnace of doubt. I love that because that's what I was. That's who I was prior to seminary. I, I was dragged into seminary kicking and screaming because I did not it's like, I can't do this. I have a lot of doubts and I'm selfish and, you know, mm-hmm. I, what is this about? And yet it's through the doubts. And this I believe strongly. And I have, I guess, had this as a creed. Having doubts and questioning and grappling with is, to my mind, a, a real, an indicator of faith. I had a friend I was visiting in New York City once and uh, she was raised Jewish, but I don't think, she's not really, she doesn't believe in in God. And I was going on. I was like, I don't know if I should be a priest. i don't want a seminary. They tell me I should. It's terrible. I don't know. I can't do it, la, la, la. And she looked at me and she said, God, the fact that you're even caring about it says something. And she's like, I don't even think about that stuff. You know, I don't believe in God. But yet here you are grappling with your faith. So I love that Dostoevsky, his Hosanna is born of a furnace of doubt. Yeah. So there's a Hosanna in there. But it's in this grappling and this struggle.
0: So often those quotes at the end of people's emails uh, come off as schmaltzy to me. And I'm like, Ugh, I kind of hate you because of your quote at the end of your email. <laughs> but I would like that quote. If I saw that, I'd be like, oh, what an interesting person.
2: <laughs> <laughs> would you? Would you? I don't know. Yes.
1: <laughs> it's, just, it's just every time it's a little intense, right? Hey, OK, I'll see you at the mall at 530. It is not as a child as I flee, <laughs> that I can <laughs> It's like whoa. Whoa. Take Ma, it down. Man, chill.
0: <laughs> uh Liz Easton, we turn yes. to you for my your goodness. creedal wisdom. What is your pop culture creed?
3: So like my friend Ricardo, I have two, and they're both um from the country music canon. The first one.
2: Every gambler knows. The secret to surviving is knowing what to throw in, knowing what to
1: keep, because every, every, anything... every hand's a winner, and every hand's a loser, and the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep.
3: Every hand's a winner, and every hand's a loser, and the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep. Yes, which is from the iconic Ken Rogers song, The Gambler, which um, I would like played as the post of my funeral. Um, I've just found in my life, especially maybe recently, as I reflect more on my priesthood and stuff like that, that this idea that two things can be the same thing, you know, every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. And when I really am able to reflect on like my ministry and my leadership as a priest, I find that every like bright and shiny side of me has a shadow side that is equally as powerful and um, you have, you know, working on sort of putting those two things in, uh, in right proportion is the work, but it's not, you can't eliminate one without potentially damaging the other. And the greatest example, like for, I think for a lot of priests has to do with, um, with being really good at connecting with people and valuing relationships, sometimes the shadow side of that is a deep desire to be liked and loved. Um, I think that that's really common for clergy. I've noticed that for me, probably the biggest place where this pops up in my ministry is I have a tendency to think that everything is my fault when it's, when it's not, which is a special kind of arrogance. And but, the, but, the, but So that's the shadow side, but the bright side of that is I really care deeply. So to have to kind of hold those two things at the, in the same time. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to die. So so there you go, Kitty Rogers. Every, <laughs> hand, every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. Um, and then my second one is from the Gillian Welch song, I Dream a Highway, which is one of the last tracks on her, I think, Revelator album. It's like a 15-minute song. It's gorgeous. And if I were to ever get a tattoo, it would be a lyric to this song and it's um, Lord Let Me Die with a Hammer in My Hand
2: the grave
3: a reference to the story of John Henry, which is a folk, you know, he's a folk hero and his story is represented in country music just in a million iterations. For me, this idea of a person laboring hard against impossible odds just because they can and they have to and they feel called to do it is meaningful to me. And sometimes as a priest, like you feel I feel like my labors which are intense and hard, you know, I'm fighting the, the steam engine, you know, it wasn't a steam engine. What was it? It was a, it was a machine with, with just my hammer, you know, and, but, but damn it, I'm, I'll die. I'll die with the hammer in my hand. That's sort of my, my hope.
1: Uh, on Saturday, I went into the office parish office and uh, the junior warden was there with his wife and they were sanding a door down to try to make it close better. And they were there for like an hour Like They were like going at it. They were outside my office door and I went out there and said, God, I feel bad. I should be helping. And I'm just kind of sitting at my desk and they said, no, no, this is our work and your work is in there. And it felt really lovely to have him say that it was, it, it was sort of validating what I do in a very real sense. You know, that is your work, not just like, oh, Father Ricardo's in his office doing his computer sermon work. It's like, no, you do your work and I do mine and together it's what makes the community run. So, mm-hmm. I like that. So, I hear you when you say that. All right. Okay, Greg.
0: Actually, I was I was impressed with how how close the meaning of mine to me is to what you guys have said already. Uh so my pop culture creed comes from from a movie from 1984 starring Peter Weller, RoboCop himself. He was he was the star of a movie called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the 8th dimension. He's wow. A,
2: he's a space <laughs> cowboy, right?
0: He's not only a space cowboy, but Buckaroo Banzai is a scientist. He's a rock star. He's an action hero. He wow. has his own comic book. And uh, he travels into the 8th dimension and comes back to tell people what he saw. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty phenomenal <laughs> story. But he has this line where he's in a concert and uh, his rock band is playing and he stops the concert uh, because he hears somebody crying over their, uh, over their music. And the audience at the club starts turning on her because she's uh, interrupted the concert that they've been enjoying. And Buckaroo Banzai has this line.
3: Hey, 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 hey no. Don't be mean to be mean because remember no matter where you go there you are that's winnie the Pooh.
0: <laughs> that's that's buckaroo
1: bonsai that's
0: winnie the poo wherever that's you go winnie there you winnie are, you are.
1: Maybe maybe Buckaroo, Banzai and Winnie the Pooh are the same person. Have you ever seen them in the same room together? No. I don't think so. I keep coming back to this
0: line. Mainly, I keep coming back to the don't be mean. It's 2018, about to be 2019. So three years ago uh, at the parish where I'm currently working, we started a program in order to attract high schoolers to our church. There were maybe three high schoolers that were attending Regularly at Bethesda. And I went to these three kids and I got them together and I asked them, like, what kind of ministry could we do that you would show up for on a weekly basis? Like, I'm giving you a blank check. You can do whatever you want to. Just tell me what you want to do and we'll make it happen. And I didn't think that they would tell me anything. And then they came back to me about a month into the program year and they said, I think we want to walk the Camino de Santiago in Spain. And I said, okay, that's ambitious. All right. Okay. (laughs) Let's research it and let's see what we can figure out. And so we, we spent the entire year researching this pilgrimage and why people do this and what it's about and what we would expect to see and what we could actually commit to and how much money it would cost. And, it became like this sort of engrossing project that was, that was part of our lives. It wasn't just part of our Sunday school. It was part of our lives together as a community. It was me and a teacher and these three high schoolers working on this project together. And by the next summer, we had raised the funds that we needed. We had mapped out a 100-kilometer route uh, along the way to Santiago And we did it. Coming up in 2019, we're going to be walking the way of St. Francis through basically central Italy to Assisi. And this is where it connects to you guys' stories, is that the last pilgrimage that we did to Canterbury in England uh, in 2017, the majority of the kids that went on that trip were doing it for the first time. And we got through about the first half of the first day, and they were all complaining. I mean, all of them were complaining about being in this space, walking from place to place, like trying to figure out how can I do this without walking, right? Like they're they're basically trying to like sandbag the whole year worth of work to try to figure out how to get out of the work of what we were doing. And they hated it and they hated me and they yelled at me and they screamed and they were like, why did you make us do this? And all this other stuff. And then we got to the cathedral in Canterbury and we checked in with each other that night after it was all over. And we had had like this Eucharist at the cathedral and like all of this other stuff had happened over the course of the week that we had spent together. And to a person, they were in love with the pilgrimage, with each other, with their community. They hated every single minute of it and they loved it. And they mm. couldn't wait to do it again. It's, it's silly thinking like wherever you go, there you are. But it's so important because as you go through life, you're going to find yourself in places that you never really expected. And you're going to find yourself with people that you didn't expect to be with. So don't be mean. Mm-hmm. Accept where you are. And, uh, and glorious things can kind of happen.
1: <laughs> wait, are we saying that wherever you go, there you are, which I've heard a lot. Is from Buckaroo Banzai originally. That's where
0: I originally heard it. Uh, so that's okay. that's who I'm going to attribute it to. <coughs> Fair that's enough. The clip. That's the clip that's going to play before. <laughs> <laughs> Until proven otherwise. Is
2: that played at the postlude at your funeral, Greg? <laughs>
0: no. Uh, no. Played at my postlude is going to be with Arms Wide Open by. Um, yes, <laughs> by <Greg. laughs> When you're feeling. For that higher ground, no one else seems to be around.
3: Yeah.
0: When your laws can find your way, it takes. So I, uh, now is the part of our show where we do staff picks. If you don't know what a staff pick is, you are a lost human being. In the pop culture <laughs> landscape.
2: Oh my. Wow. wow, this has gotten real dark.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Liz, bring us back. Wait, what you, I'm I'm waiting for what you're actually recommending. So, <laughs>
1: Liz, redemption? what's
3: your staff pick? So, my staff pick, you might have all, already seen this, or maybe our listeners have too, but it's a new Netflix movie called Dumplin. Does anyone? No, no? you were talking no. about this
2: on Facebook. I have I've not seen, seen it. this. <laughs>
3: It's based on a young adult novel of the same name. And um, I had sort of seen it coming for a long time because as I told you, I'm a country music fan. I follow Dolly Parton on Instagram. Dolly has a great Instagram, by the way. And her music features really heavily in this film. And she was a big part of its making, I think. So the plot of the story, and I won't give anything away that you wouldn't find in the trailer. But it's a young woman, a high school senior, who really had a very, very close relationship with her aunt, who passed away just six months prior to the start of the movie. Her mother, who is a beauty queen from their small town, is running the town's beauty pageant. And the daughter, who her name is Willa Dean, Willa, Willa, they call her, um, who kind of longs to connect with her mother and is also really grieving the loss of her aunt, doesn't have like your typically conventional beauty queen body. And she decides to join the pageant sort of as a protest. She doesn't really know how to do it. Like she doesn't know how to do the talent portion. She doesn't know how to do the hair and makeup or the dresses or anything. So she ends up going to a small town drag bar where they have a bunch of Dolly Parton impersonators, and they also knew her aunt. And so the drag queens sort of take her under their wings and teach her this sort of art of Dolly Parton-esque show, you know, the the hair and the moves and the and really ultimately the confidence in being exactly who you are. It's not, like, you can imagine the plot of that movie being kind of formulaic. Things aren't perfect. Things don't end up perfectly... For her or for anybody, it's sort of complicated and quiet. It's really a movie about grief. is this girl grieving her aunt, her mother grieving her sister, and them not really knowing how to talk about it and how to get there. It's really beautiful. And Dolly Parton remastered a lot of her sort of hit songs, which are the soundtrack of the whole film. It's a great movie. Dumplin'.
1: Do, Do they sing Code of Many Colors?
3: They don't do code of many colors. They do like nine to five. They do um, why'd you Jolene. come in here looking like that, which is a great one, um, Jolene. There's a lot, and what's so fun is like to like they're really honest about like what this really is. Like it's a small Texas town, so these three teenage girls who are kind of misfits find their ways to a drag bar in a small town, and they've never seen a drag queen before. So like one girl turns to the other and says. I think that's a man (laughs) and the girl is like, she's beautiful. Like, (laughs) Like, like, what am I seeing? It's, I probably, I said this on Facebook. I cried in some way or another. I had tears in my eyes at literally every single scene.
0: Thank you, Liz. You're welcome. You can find Popping Collars on the web at PoppingCollarsPodcast.com. You can find us on all the social media platforms. Just type in Popping Collars in the search bar. And, of course, you can get our podcast in all of the usual podcasting apps, including Spotify. So go subscribe now to the show. You can find our show and lots of wonderful Episcopal podcasts on EpiscopalCafe.com. We love EpiscopalCafe.com. We know you will as well. Check them out for all your Episcopal news needs and beyond. And with that, that is popping collars for this time. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Ricardo, for coming on the show. We will see you next time. And keep
2: those collars popped.